Good morning. There are two readings today, uh, one from Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 26 to 31, and then we're going to Psalm 139. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They'll be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw the, all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. We move to Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. Without them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. This is the word of the Lord. So Fiona is going to come and talk to us this morning about uh, new beginnings. This is a, a standalone service. We're starting a new series next week, um, and today we're, we're 
really pleased to have Fiona with us to talk to us about uh, the, the new beginnings. And I'm just going to pray for her. Father, thank you, Fiona. Thank you for Fiona. Thank you for, for all she does every day and uh, all, all she does in uh, displaying your love and uh, your worth and value to people in all she does her today that she would and ask that you would guide her hand and guide her, her words. And I pray particularly that you would guide our hearts, that we would open them to listen and hear and respond to what you have to say to us today. So we pray your blessing on her this day, but in all the days to come as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, it's a different clicker from the last time, so I was just looking at it thinking, do I know how to use this? I'm a technophobe, really. <laughs> well, here we are again at the beginning of a new year. Probably most of us talking about how we want things to change. We genuinely wish everybody a happy new year. And I was saying to one of my clients the other day, how many new years have you had now? And he said, 47. And I said, well, why are, we, why are you still not happy? What, what's going wrong here? It was an important question for him, actually. We all have good intentions, and we all like a new start. I think it's a good thing to have a new start at the beginning of a new year. But it seems that no matter how good our intentions, within about a month, we've all fallen by the wayside, and we're back to our old habits. It's not a very good record, so... Why is it that we can't sustain a new way of life? Why are we not all blissfully happy by now, after all the new years that we've had? For the past 20 years now, I can't believe it myself, but for the past 20 years now, I've been working as a psychotherapist and a clinical hypnotist. People come to me every day, all day, looking for a new life a new way of life, a new way of being in the world, something that's much better than what they've had, often as a last resort when they've reached desperation point, I have to say. But rather than a new beginning, I find they're usually carrying on from where they left off. They're still carrying all the baggage, beliefs, attitudes, behaviours from the past, which have such a powerful influence on their lives that change really does see, seem impossible for them. We all know the old adage, old habits die hard, and they certainly do. <coughs> so fear, anxiety, depression, despondency are very common in people's lives. And we learn to live with them thinking that's, that's how life is. We just accept it. Why do we think that way, though? And I think it's because the world judges criticizes and teaches us to find fault with ourselves. As a British society, I think we are experts at knocking each other. You watch any television program virtually, somebody is being put down or knocked in some way. Conditioned from birth to believe that we're not good enough. And we have therefore to improve. And so what we're looking for is to improve ourselves. The most common fear, which about 99.9% .9 of people share, is that of not being good enough. The media then tells us, of course, that this new beginning is about self-improvement. We've not achieved enough. We certainly don't look perfect. 
We've not adopted the perfect lifestyle either. So self-esteem, self-worth, self-belief, self-confidence all go out the window. And we become extremely good at knocking ourselves, don't we? We're good at putting ourselves down. Because we're taking on board what the world tells us. Not only do we criticize ourselves, but we limit ourselves. And we're constantly saying, I can't do that, like me saying I'm a technophobe. We're not clever enough. We don't have the capability. And so we kind of become hopeless and give up before we've even really got started. Last week, Linda was talking about the journey that Mary and Joseph were setting out on with baby Jesus, keeping Jesus safe from Herod. It was the beginning of Jesus' life journey, but we're all on our own life's journey. So if we really do want life to change this year, where do we begin? In Romans 12, we're told, and I think most people know this quote, to um, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we have to think and see things differently. And perhaps the most important thing is to try to establish the truth. Jesus did say the truth will set you free. And to do that, we need to start again from the beginning. As Christians, that means with God. Before anything else, God is. No, that's not it. Okay. <laughs> um, when, sorry, I, I, I deleted the slide. It's my, my fault that it's not there. Um, <coughs> yes, when, when Moses said to God, look, who am I going to say to the Israelites? Who am I going to say sent me? God said, tell them I am sent you. I am. So our basic tenant, tenet, is God is. God is already there before us, after us, and with us. So let's begin at the beginning with Genesis chapter 1. God created the universe and all that's in existence. And you and I are part of God's creation. Verse 26 of chapter 1 tells us that God chose to create mankind in his own image. Wow. There's a start to a new year. You are created in the image of God. That doesn't mean God's like us. It means we're like him. And I just want to explore that just a tiny bit, really, this morning. As God is, you are. It's quite a claim, isn't it? As God is spirit... You are spirit. Scripture tells us that God is spirit and therefore exists without a body. You and I are more than mere flesh and blood. And we know that because this body that you have and I have is replaced. Every single cell in your body is replaced, I think, approximately every two years. But some much faster than that. And we know we're losing skin cells and hair cells and all the rest all the time. But your personality, who you are, your memories, your thoughts, your beliefs, your understandings, all carry on, despite the body's changing all the time. So you and I are clearly beyond, uh, sorry, clearly exist beyond that which is physical, flesh and blood. 
As God is intelligent, you are intelligent. Humans can reason and choose. That's a reflection of God's intellect. And every time someone invents a machine, writes a book, paints a landscape, whatever, um, they're reflecting that intelligence of God. As God is love, again, Scripture tells us God is love, we are love. You were created for fellowship with God and with each other. So each time we marry or hug a child or attend church, even for fellowship, God. As God has freedom to do whatever he likes, you and I have free will. Even though Adam and Eve were given a righteous nature, they could choose to rebel against their creator, God. And as God is eternal, you are eternal. I heard a lovely interview with Pat Boone. Anybody remember Pat Boone? Um, I think he was even before my day, to be quite honest. And if I'd, if I'd been asked, I would have thought he was dead. But no, no, there he was. <laughs> quite the thing. Um, obviously, hale and hearty. Uh, and he was telling a story about somebody trying to sell him an insurance plan. You know, these phone calls that you get. And I think the unique selling point was perhaps that he could have a headstone. So he said, I just said to the lady, I won't need a headstone because I'm not going to die. He knows he is eternal spirit. And this world is not his home. I don't know if you ever sang that song. Some of you will know. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And as God is creator, you are creator. You just need to look out to the world to see what man has created. It's quite astonishing, really. And you're free this morning to create your own life. In creating you, God showered you with innumerable gifts. He gave you a mind, a mind so phenomenal you will never in one lifetime get to the depth of it. As far as we know, there is no limit to your mind, your imagination, your creativity, your memory, your ability to solve problems, to understand concepts and ideas, to discover new things. Yet I would venture to suggest that most people don't think most of the time. They react to the world. I'd even go so far as to say that there are people who will go from cradle to grave and never, not once, engage with their ability to think as God has enabled them to do. Thus, they become products of what they've experienced in life rather than creating the life that they want for themselves. In addition to our mind, God gave you this amazing body. Right now, it's carrying on so many processes that you and I will never understand in the 50 trillion cells or whatever we have. A body that heals itself most of the time without us even noticing. God has bestowed upon you gifts, talents, and abilities, some of which you'll be totally unaware of. I was watching the Christmas lectures 
um, on television the other week. And they carried out an experiment to demonstrate the telepathic thought transference between a mother and a daughter who were in different parts of the building. Out of 10 attempts, they got 10 accurate results. It's well known and proven um, beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're all telepathic. And yet, most of us don't know that, or perhaps don't even believe that. But put somebody in a lab and we can show that without any problem at all. This body that you have is also immeasurable. Um, some of you will be old enough to remember Roger Bannister, who broke the four-minute mile. Um, and it was, such, it, was, it was so unexpected because nobody thought it was possible. But in the last 15 years, I looked it up, um, <clears throat> the mile record has been lowered by something like 17 seconds. Maybe in the next 50 years, another 17 seconds will be shaved off that time. So really, we don't know how fast man can run. We don't know how high man can jump. We don't know what weight man can lift. Um, all of our abilities are amazing and perhaps infinite. I don't know. Just watch an Olympic gymnast or a virtuoso pianist be totally overawed by what a human being is capable of. And yet many New Year resolutions will be to change the body in some way. Now, there's nothing wrong with losing a bit of weight or joining a gym and getting fitter. Obviously not. But there will be those who are even planning to get implants in their bottom because it's the wrong shape. Humanity gone mad. And that actually does. People do that. <laughs> I saw it in television not so long ago. The focus of attention is so often on things that don't matter a jot. But the most amazing gift, perhaps, that we have is that of life. Now, that is a miracle. The fact that you're here today is just an astonishing thing. The indescribable gift of life, I'm calling it, because I looked up the dictionary to see what they said life was. <clears throat> and it described it as the time between being born <clears throat> and the time of, be of, of being dead. So even the dictionary can't come up with, excuse me. <clears throat> a bit of cold, sorry. <clears throat> Not used to wearing one. A gift from God himself <clears throat> that we will never truly be able to comprehend. And he offers us life in all its abundance, sometimes in all its fullness, um, is the translation. There's a statement. If you're not in awe of your own magnificence, you've not even begun to appreciate who and what God has created you to be. You're an infinite being. As God is, you are. Maybe we need to recognize that. In addition to all the attributes of all human beings, you are unique. In Psalm 139, 
we read, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. The psalmist understood that there's a unique you that God created you to be. And God created you, then looked at his creation, and in verse 31 we read, he saw that it was very good. That includes you. Many people compare themselves with others and find themselves wanting, usually, but that doesn't make any sense. You're a unique individual created to be the you that you are by God himself. And I usually point out to people that God doesn't make mistakes. He gave us all different gifts and called us to be different people. So, only you can live your life and you can only live your life. Now, let me be very clear. This is not about being selfish. Of course we care about other people. Of course other people matter. Of course they do. This is about recognizing God's calling for your life. Most people have never understood that. And so they spend their lives trying to please other people or trying to be good as they've been taught to be good or to get it right, whatever right might mean, or trying to be perfect or gain approval from others instead of being who God created them to be. The God, who God created you to be is the perfect you. Perfect, of course, isn't a judgment against a standard that only exists in our heads. There is no standard of good enough. And anyway, you can never be good enough. You can only be the magnificent you that God created you to be. You were created with infinite potential to be you. Nobody else in the universe has that potential. Starting again every new year is like going on yet another slimming diet. You're going to come off that diet at some point, aren't you? Developing a new attitude, a new behavior towards food means that you never need to diet again. Starting from the beginning with God and with God's truth sets you out on a journey to creating a life that is everything God wants it to be for you, abundant, peaceful, full of joy. You're given a life to explore your God-given potential to be you and to live that life in all its fullness. So often, instead of being who we are, we judge ourselves against these standards that the world holds dear. That takes our eyes away from God. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. The further you step away from God's calling to be who you are, the more difficult and dissatisfying perhaps life becomes. 
So why am I keen to get you to appreciate your own magnificence this morning? Let me make it clear, this is not about self-honor. It's not look, saying, look, how great am I? You know, look how fantastic I am. It's not about being big-headed or deluded like the, you know, the people on The Apprentice who think they can do amazing things that they can't do. <coughs> it's about appreciating the astonishing being that God calls you to be in this world. And that has two real and distinct outcomes, I think. The first is it brings an end to judgment. We no longer judge ourselves against these silly standards. But we don't judge others either. It's easier to love your neighbor as yourself when you realize that your neighbor is also created by God to be who they are. They're in their magnificence too. We're all different parts of the body of Christ. We all have our own calling. The second outcome has to be as in Psalm uh, 139, verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When you understand what God has given to God and say, thank you so much for everything you've given me, and praise his wonderful name, because it is astonishing who has, he has made us to be. We often sing, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. But if we're not aware of these blessings, then we don't praise God for them. God gave us the gift of free will to use these amazing gifts he's given us. Now it's over to you to create the life that brings joy and fulfillment to you throughout life's journey. There's one more incredible gift that I haven't mentioned, and it's the ability to change. Well, this struck me probably within the last year, that that's an amazing gift, isn't it? I'm sure ants don't have the ability to change, or even elephants, perhaps. But we do. We're never stuck. Isn't that a fabulous gift? We're never stuck where we are. God has given us an amazing ability to change. We also, of course, have the ability to resist change, to be stubborn or defensive or whatever you choose. But we're never stuck. A new beginning can be anything you want it to be. God doesn't put any restrictions or limitations on that change. It might be important to remember that with God, all things are possible. So life is a field of infinite possibilities from which you get to choose. Oh, I've misspelt that. Those things that are right for you. He didn't make you for no reason but to be who you are. But God, of course, doesn't abandon you to your fate. He doesn't leave you on your own. He's provided you with instincts, intuition, inspiration, emotion, feelings that tell you when something's right for you and tell you when something isn't. We've just been celebrating Christmas and the coming of Jesus. 
Emmanuel, God with us. And I think the psalmist really captures that very well in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Whether it's up in the heavens or down in the depths or on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Even the darkness can't hide us from God. These words are so reassuring, aren't they? Wherever you go, God goes with you and his hand will guide you. But he doesn't force that upon you. God wants you to make choices too. We know from Psalm 139, verses 1 to 3, we read, you have searched me, Lord, you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise, when I per you perceive my thoughts. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. And before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. But we have to remember that Jesus taught us repeatedly throughout the Gospels that we are to pray, to ask God for what we want. We're not to be lazy and expect God just to see us and hear us and understand us and do it all for us. We are to be involved in our own lives and our own choices. Ask and you'll receive. For those who ask will be given it. Now, with all these, uh, with, sorry, with this new appreciation of all that God's provided for us, we bring these gifts back to him and offer up our lives and all that we bring with an appreciation of that to God. And I don't think there can be any better way to put it than the words of that great hymn, take my life and all that comes with it and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Might be worth some time looking up that hymn and just using it as a prayer. Let us just end with a word of prayer now. Father God, take our lives. Take our gifts, our talents, our abilities and our disabilities our strengths and our weaknesses, our hands and our feet, our intellects and our voices. Take all that you have given us, that it may be used to your glory. Amen. <laughs>